You guys can be seated. My name is uh, Jesse, and uh, if we've not met, that's usually what I go by, but for the next three weeks, you can call me Professor J, because we're going to go to school for a little while, okay? So uh, I know that some of you parents are like, hey, I finished school, but you've been sending your kids to school all week this week, and if you're in Nederland, you're now on week two, uh, and you're just like, hey, I've done my time, my kids are, you do your school. Well, no, today and for the next three weeks, uh, we are going to be in school together. I want to I open up a, a couple of different uh, passages of scripture because I want to I want to dissect this word disciple okay and so we're gonna we're gonna start a series called disciple 101 this morning and uh, I just want to want to ask you like what is a disciple it seems like it's an important word it comes up a lot in in the Bible um, uh, there, there's an entire denomination of churches that are called you know the disciples of Christ so, okay we see it on church signs um, maybe you say I am a disciple or you use that word and uh, there's a lot of loose meanings of that word there's a I'm a disciple meaning I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm a disciple, meaning I want to I be a Christian, and I want to I live like Jesus taught me to live. But the word disciple, it just means student. It's the same word as like pupil. It just, you can call all of your kids at school, all your teachers, and next time you go to class, like, good morning, my disciples. That would be creepy, and they would just like tell their parents that you're trying to start a religion or something. Uh, no, but, but the word just means student. It, it, it is a specific kind of student. Uh, imagine the, the ancient world as, as it was set up, the, the world that Jesus lived in. Jesus, when he goes to call his disciples, he's walking. You can you read the opening chapter of Mark, and you're going to see how he calls his first four disciples. He just walks along, and he says, you come, follow me, be my disciple. And they're like, yep, I'm done. I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus and learn his ways. The idea of being a disciple then... Uh, isn't just like a class that you would take and you graduate ninth grade algebra or whatever. To be a disciple is to follow the teacher, the teacher that you feel like knows something more than you do. feels like maybe this teacher knows a, a thing, a, uh, a, a way of living, a secret to knowing God. This teacher knows this thing, and you're going to devote your life to follow him and just, just learn to act like him a little bit. You're going you're gonna to follow your teacher disciple, and you're going to say, I want to I laugh at the jokes that he laughs at, because I think Jesus had some great jokes. I, I can't prove it all the time, but I'm convinced that there are moments that aren't in Scripture where it's just Jesus and the disciples hanging around, and Jesus tells like these cosmic jokes. He's like, uh, what did Saturn say to Venus? And they're like, I don't know what a planet is, Jesus. Oh, yeah, we haven't discovered that yet, but this is going to be good in a few thousand years. Like, I think like Jesus had to have known some things. Um, there, there's this entire piece uh, talking about the humor of Jesus, that after his resurrection, he, he plays, it's almost like practical jokes on people. We take it super serious, but there's this moment where his disciples are talking, walking down the street, and they said, hey, I heard Jesus was res resurrected. Have you heard that? Yeah, I heard this. And, and then there's this moment where this guy who is Jesus comes up, and they don't recognize him. He's like, so what you guys talking about? Oh, you haven't heard about Jesus? No, why don't you tell me about him? <laughs> you know, and the, that last part isn't in scripture, but he really was talking to his disciples in that way. I think, I think that the disciples wanted to see how Jesus viewed the world. Jesus had a very unique way of viewing the world. He viewed the world with hope. His hope was ultimately rested on him, but he viewed the world that, that there is redemption possible in me, but there is redemption possible. It's not all falling apart because I have come. And he, he taught his disciples to, to follow that way. 
There's something funny about uh, humans is that we have uh, a whole set of neurons in our brain. Uh, and one of them, they call the mirror neuron. It's a, it's, a, it's a way that the brain is wired. It's a perfect little transmitter. And the mirror neuron does this one thing. Uh, the people that you care about and that you spend the most time with, you begin to look, act, and sound like, whether you like it or not. Whether you intend it or not, the mirror neurons fire off because you were close to those people, and that's why you picked up that country accent that one time you visited grandma over the summer, right? Your mirror neuron, you love grandma, so you want to talk like grandma, and then you come home and everybody's like, you talk like a hillbilly. Well, that's because I love my grandma. Uh, every parent knows that moment where you, your kid has exasperated you and a thing fell out of your mouth and you sounded exactly like your mom did when you were 16 years old and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm turning into my mom. Well, that's because of mirror neurons. You were wired uh, by your creator to look and act like the people that you care most about. And a disciple, being called a disciple, is an invitation to act and look and get close to Jesus uh, and become a little bit more like him. So, uh, in, uh, I, have, I have three weeks until I start the next series, and so in three weeks, uh, we are going to do Disciple 101, and I want to look at each week three different things that a disciple is. Maybe like just real quick, uh, it's almost like three sermons in one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to triple up on all of you. Uh, so that should put us home about three o'clock today, if that's okay. No, <laughs> you guys are like, please help me, where's the exit? No, we, we will do this quickly. So here's the question. Uh, if, if, if I'm going to be Professor Jay for the next three weeks, and this is going to be our classroom, and you are going to be the students, the disciples, uh, then what is on the syllabus? There, all throughout Scripture, there are all these like, marks of what a Christian should do, these things that, that we read that God has called us to do, things that some of us do naturally, uh, like look out for one another. Uh, some of us really struggle with that whole forgiveness bit, but it's, it's, we're called to do that. But whatever it is, the syllabus is simply uh, nine characteristics that I want to pull out. I want to I look at them. I want to ask, are we, are we growing in that? And just like the original 12 disciples, I'm going to warn you real quick, um, unless, unless we're just having a really great day, we're going to read something uh, and we're like, you know what? We don't, we don't measure up. I'm going to read something. I'm going to be like, I, I don't do that well. Well, great, great news. Every time the disciples were challenged in a way, Jesus would lovingly and caringly just say, yeah, come on, just follow me. Come, come back to me. There's a story uh, in, in scripture where Jesus sends his disciples off and, and, and they're going to go minister and they're going to go cast out demons. And, and then they come back and they're, they're telling Jesus what happened. And so it's a, it's a strange moment in, in their time. It's like, oh yes, we get to try this stuff out. And they come back to Jesus and they say to him, they say, hey, you know, some people listened to us and some didn't. And sometimes we try to cast out the demon and I, I don't know what happened. It just didn't work the way you did it, Jesus. And Jesus is like, what does he say? Hey, just come follow me. We're, we're going we're gonna to do life together. If we read something in a moment and we're like, oh, I want to be better at that, then, then Jesus is inviting us to do it. And the way to do that is to just draw closer to our Savior, draw closer to our teacher. So if you have your Bible, you want to follow along, uh, I'm going to start in John chapter 13. And the first uh, lesson, if you will, for class uh, today is this, is that disciples love one another disciples love one another. And you're like, yeah, I get that. Of course, we're supposed to love one another. But, but Jesus, he's very clear. When, when he talks about loving uh, people, it's not an option. Uh, Jesus doesn't give it as a suggestion. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I think it would be really great if you were nice to each other. He doesn't even invite you to be nice to everybody. He just, like the command is disciples 
love one another. Look, look with me in John chapter 13. I'm going to start reading in verse 31. Uh, and I'll, I'll stop really quick because this is when he had gone out. Let me, let me set this up real quick. When he had gone out, who, who went out? Who left the room? Uh, this, this scene, this, this opening piece of John 13, Jesus is in the area that we call the upper room. Uh, you, know, you know that picture of the Last Supper where they're all sitting around the table? Uh, th- this is where they're at. They're in that room. They just had that meal. The guy that left the room when he had gone out, who, who went out? Judas. Judas went out. The guy who goes to betray him. In fact, Judas is leaving in this very moment. We just read the sentence. Judas is leaving to go and betray the Savior. He has the plan in mind. He's going to go and he's going to, he's going to tell people where to find Jesus. and He's going to get paid his 30 pieces of silver for this. The, the moments before this, what was going on, Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to wash your feet. And he washes all of the disciples' feet while Judas was still there. And in the story, Jesus says, I know one of you is going to betray me. I know who it is in this room, he says. And it, when he had finished telling this thing, he gets in verse 31, and, and that guy, Judas, he gets up and he leaves to go do the thing that he's going to do. And it says, Jesus says this, when, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. Here's what's about to happen. What you think is bad news, even though you don't know what Judas is doing yet, what you think is going to be bad news, God's about to do this to glorify himself and glorify me, his son. He says in verse 32, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify in himself and glorify him at once. Like God's about to do something huge right here. Hang with me. It's going to have a little bit of heartbreak, but I'm telling you, God's about to do something big. Okay, I, mean, I bet his disciples were like, what? What's about to happen? Verse 33, little children, yet a little while I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I've said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. He's saying to them, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to die. I'm about to be ascended into heaven. I'm, I'm, before that, I'm going to go to the grave. I'm about to do all of these things. And you guys have been following me for the last three years, and you've wanted to do everything that I'm going to do because you're, you're my disciples. But he says right now, he says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. You can't. And so he's going to give them some parting words, some important lesson for all disciples. He says this, a new commandment I give to you. I'm commanding you this, that you love one another. What a, what a weird commandment, isn't it? To love one another. He doesn't command them to, you know, I need you to work out three days a week. Like the things that they do, you know, every, everybody, some of us are like, I should be commanded to do that. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me, I've said this before from the stage, but my wife is so, so wise and smart, Ashley, and she said, she says, it's weird that God commands you to love because he doesn't command you to breathe. That was the example Ashley gave. He doesn't command you to breathe because you're going to take a breath. You know instinctively to do that. Why in the world then would Jesus in his last moment feel the need to command people to love? Oh, one reason is uh, he, we wouldn't do it naturally if he didn't. We would, if, if, if we weren't commanded to be loving disciples, to love one another, our, our default is to look after number one and maybe those closest to us at the expense of other people. But he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? How should we love one another, Jesus? Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Okay, well, how did he love his disciples? Well, one important thing is, is that 10 minutes before he did this, he washed Judas's feet, the one who's going to betray him. 
He showed mercy and grace to the one who had in his head the plan, I'm going to get this man killed tonight. And he said, I'm still going to be gracious to him. Jesus before had said, you know, we should, we should love our enemies. And, and here's Jesus, one of his best friends is, not literally, but pretty close to literally stabbing him in the back. And he, he washes his feet. And immediately after washing his feet, Judas leaves and he says, I want you to love everybody as I have loved you. I want you to look out for each other. How, how did Jesus love them? Well, he's about to lay down his life for them. We, we are commanded as disciples to be the least selfish people on all of the earth. Not, not, not you know, dangerously throwing ourselves into traffic trying to get hurt, but, but we should be known disciples as, as the least selfish, the most giving, sacrificially giving, laying down our lives for our brothers because they are worthy of our love. We are commanded, he says, to love one another just as he has loved us. He says, just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Verse 35, by this, this thing that you're going to do, this, this ability to go love everybody, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is, this is huge. This is why I started with it. One of the marks of a disciple is that we love one another. And by loving one another, Jesus says that's the secret sauce that everybody in this world is going to know that you're a Christian. It is completely uh, possible uh, that people will assume that you're a Christian based on uh, uh, you know, the, the things that you argue about or the things that, that are important to you. Uh, they, they may assume that you're a Christian because you put a ton of crosses on your wall. I have, I don't know if you do, uh, my, my wife is, is great at like decorating and stuff. And so if you enter my house, there's the cross wall. Anybody have a cross wall? You have one of those? Yes, the cross wall. Amen. All right, good. So, so you have the cross wall. I thought I was the only one there for a second. And, and, and you walk into my house and you have the cross wall. And some of the crosses have Bible verses on them. And, and we love it. We think it looks great. It's really weird if you think of Jesus' time. It is, a, it is a symbol of execution that the Lord Jesus has redeemed for his glory. So when we look at the cross, we see hope. When a Roman citizen looks at the cross, they see, oh my gosh, what? you guys are morbid. It'd be like hanging like electric chairs from your house. You know, like that's, that's the, the, the common day equivalent. But, but we see hope. But that's not proof that I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, and I get, to, I get to open God's word, and I know, I know a lot of this. I can, I can even do a little bit of Greek and Hebrew. I can, I can impress you with all my like, big words, but that doesn't prove that I'm a Christian. You shouldn't assume that I'm a Christian. There are, there are atheists who know more about the Bible than I do. They, they just know a lot. You're, being a disciple of Jesus is not based on how much you know. That is not the evidence of being a disciple of Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus isn't based on how much you do. Some of us are incredibly gifted at getting out into the community and getting our hands dirty and serving, serving, serving. And there are entire uh, nonprofit organizations that are, there's not the name of Jesus or God anywhere in there, and yet they get out there and dig wells too. They go and serve, and they do. And, and we're called to serve. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. But, but that's not the primary evidence that you and I are disciples of the living God, Jesus Christ. Here's the primary evidence that we are disciples of Jesus, that we love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We, we really want to, um, I don't know, I don't know if the right phrase is like check her heart or uh, just, just do every now and then just do some introspection of, am I being motivated out of love for my brother right now? When, when I respond to this guy on the internet, am I being motivated out of love for him? Do I want what's best for him? 
When, when parents, when I'm responding to my child, am I responding out of exasperation or am I responding out of love? And sometimes the same words will come out of your mouth, but the motivation really, really, really matters. Spouses, when, when I'm talking to my husband, when I'm talking to my wife, am, am I being motivated out of the sense that I need to be right right now? I need to prove that, no, you've got to get off your phone sometimes or it's time to wash the dishes. Or, or, or am I just being motivated out of love? Love lays down all rights. Love, love, love cares and forgives and love pursues. Love seeks. Love, we're called to love one another. We're called to love one another the way that Jesus loved us. You know how Jesus loved Jesse? While Jesse was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Jesus didn't wait for me to get it right before he started loving me. And then he challenges me. He says, Jesse, I don't want you to wait for them to get it right. I just want you to go love them. That's what we're called to do as disciples. The, the, the first thing on our syllabus, what does it mean to be a disciple? Disciples love one another. Man, that's good. Am I perfect at it? I'm not, but I'm growing. I'm trying, I'm trying to get better. Uh, I think, I think uh, I'm better today than I was last year. Uh, I know I'm better today than I was about 10 years ago. And some of you who went to high school with me are like, how is that guy on the stage? I'm telling you, like, it's okay to grow in the Lord in some of these things. The second thing I want to look at is uh, disciples give themselves away to God's mission. If you want to look with me, I want to look in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Uh, I'm not allowed to say favorite, like this is favorite verse. This is, not, this is my favorite verse. Uh, this, is, this is a great passage of scripture. But I just want to say this. The disciples give themselves away to God's mission. Um, here's, here's what we find throughout all of scripture from the very beginning. Is that God has an agenda and he's going to move forward, and he's going to accomplish his goals. Nothing anybody has ever done has ever stopped his goals. The devil hasn't stopped his goals. Uh, Adam and Eve haven't stopped his goals. Uh, that one guy that you know was mean to you in middle school hasn't stopped God's goals. God is going to accomplish his goals, and he's going to accomplish his mission. But here's the weirdest thing ever, is that he invites us to participate. He doesn't need us to participate. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to, to go. He can do whatever. He could, he could snap his fingers and you know, rapture or whatever. Like he, could, he can end all of this and just make all things perfect and just get going. But he says, no, for the time being, uh, I'm going to invite you to be a part of my mission. Paul, Paul will say as he's pondering in Philippians, this isn't going to be on the screen, but he's pondering this. It just popped in my head. And he's, he's like, what, what value am I left? He's in prison. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to get something when I die, but for me to live right now is Christ. I get to pursue the mission of Christ. And what we're going to see is that disciples, they give themselves to God's mission. And, and we give ourselves with our, with our time, uh, what, what, we, what we focus on. We give ourselves with our energy, like what we pursue, the things that we accomplish. Maybe, maybe it's like hands and work, or maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's typing. Maybe, maybe that's it. And, and resources. Uh, we, we are invited to participate in God's mission with, with the resources, whether that be um, a, a tool that you have at home, or maybe it's the money in your wallet. The, the truth is, is that God is moving through Mid-County. He's going to accomplish his goals with or without Carpenter's Way, with or without us as disciples, but he's invited Carpenter's Way, he's invited us to participate with our time, with our energy and our resources. And then, and then we move forward. Look, look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4 says, but God. I love every time, every time the phrase but God comes up, the, the before that is just really 
dark news, and that's true right here. Paul is writing Ephesians, and, and he said some really hard things to swallow about how far down we were, how bankrupt we were without God. That song that we just sang, I'm lost without you, I'm desperate without you, that's, that's what Paul was, was highlighting right here. And so now we get to verse four, but God, thank God, but God, but God being rich in mercy. I don't know if you know this, but uh, God is like, you know, the, the Scrooge McDuck of mercy. He has mercy like in a, in a cave, there's gold and he can go swimming. Like he is rich in mercy. The amount of mercy he's shown mankind, the amount of mercy he's shown me, uh, and, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure if you just sit and think, yeah, he's shown me a lot of mercy. He's been very rich and giving in his mercy of us. But God, he says, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Paul is saying he's rich in mercy and he loves you so tremendously that he's poured out his mercy on us, those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus. And that's why we're saved. It's because he's wealthy. If God were bankrupt and he just really loved us a lot, but he didn't have the power, he didn't have the mercy, he didn't have the capability, then we would just be talking about a God in our own brokenness. And man but he's rich and he loves you tremendously. You, you might even be here because someone drug you in this room and you're like, I don't, I don't wanna be here. Uh, the, our online people, uh, they're not getting the stream because the internet's down, but later they'll get it, they'll get the video later. And, and you might be hearing uh, that God loves you and you're just like, I don't feel it, okay. It's okay if you don't feel it. But I'm telling you right now, he is rich in mercy and he loves you just where you're at right now, he loves you. And he's poured that on. And for those of us who call ourselves saved, by grace we have been saved. Verse 6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's, he's pulled us out of the, the, what was below, the, the dark, and now we're raised up, he says. So that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's goal in raising me up is that I would begin to show the immeasurable, uh, how do you word that? The immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. The reason I share with you like the mistakes that I've made is so that you see the immeasurable riches of God's mercy expressed in my life. He, he's invited all Christians to, as in being raised up, in being saved, to participate in showing the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. We didn't, we didn't force it. We didn't trick God into this. I didn't figure out the math problem and like, aha, I'm smarter than you. And so now you have to save me. No, none of those things are true. It's the gift of God. He says, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. God's designed it this way so that I don't get to get up here and brag about how awesome of a Christian I am. I began reading a book this week called uh, Dangerous Calling. It's a book to pastors. And the first chapter, that's as far as I've gotten so far, the first chapter is uh, this guy, he's a pastor, and, and he's, he's talking about this lie that he began believing, that he somehow had risen to a different station in life. He would never say it, but he, he kind of, he'd talked that he had risen to a different station in life, that he would teach God's mercy and he would teach God's kindness, but he actually believed in himself that he had it all figured out. And, and that's not true. 
That's, that's not true. If it were true, then he had reason to boast. I'm telling you right now, if you, if you just hang out with me long enough, you're going to see something that I'm going to disappoint you or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a mistake. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll, I'll just be honest. Jesse is not perfect. I lean on God's mercy and grace because that's the design by which I'm not going to be able to brag. It's not, it is not by my own doing. It's by God's doing. But what about, what are we supposed to do with this? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Workmanship. I, I had to underline that. The Greek word for that, if you want to get nerdy with me, think, hmm, yes, Greek, is uh, uh, poemia. Poia, poemia. P-O-E-M-I-A. Poemia. It's where we get our word poems from. We, we are his workmanship. We are his poemia. We are his poem. Another translation for that is we are his masterpiece. This is not, if you're a musician, this is not just getting down, God getting down in front of a keyboard and just banging out a couple of random notes. No, this is Beethoven writing the most amazing ballad he's ever written. If you're an author, this is not some kid learning his first three sentences and writing it down. No, this is, this is Shakespeare writing the story of your life. You are that to God. You are his poemia. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. And he is so, so loving towards you. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece. We are the crescendo of the music. We, that's why we're day six of creation. He creates everything and says it's good. Day two, it's good. He creates day three, it's good. He gets to day five, he creates some fish in the, and that's good. But he gets to day six and he creates mankind and he says it is very, very good. We are the, the, the exclamation point on all of creation. That's how much he loves and cares for us. He says, we are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. He, he's created us as the pinnacle of his masterpiece to go out and do good things. The good works don't save us. He just said that the last verse before. We don't do the good works so that we can brag about how good we were. We do the good works because we are his masterpiece learning to live as the masterpiece. We are, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, what, what good works are we supposed to do? Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Like, God, what do you just want me to do, man? Like, I, I, wish, I wish I knew what, what you wanted from me. These good works, he says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like, let, let that sink, the truth of that sink in. Before you were conceived, before your parents named you, beforehand, God created works that you are going to be the only one skilled, talented, and gifted to accomplish. That's what that means. We are his workmanship, it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which good works? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My life, and, I, and it's not fully unfolded yet, obviously, uh, I have hoops in front of me that God has named Jesse. You can try to jump through them, but I have been uniquely gifted and talented to jump through those hoops, and you have hoops in front of you that are named you, and you're the only one who has the temperament. You're the only one who saw the hurting person. That, that you, You're the only person, uh, kid, uh, students in school, you're the only person who is aware that that classmate of yours is having a struggle that that's that deep. You might be the only one whose heart is breaking for that person, and your good work in that moment is to be the one that's praying for that person to lift them up. 
Your, your good work in that moment might be to, to be the one, hey, I know you're going through a hard spot in your marriage, and I just want you to know that me and, and my husband, me and my wife, we're praying for you, and, and you can come over anytime you want. I know that parenting is really hard for you, and I can see it. I can see the fear of, of being a parent in your eyes. Um, I don't have all the answers for being a parent, but I feel like because I can see it, I feel like this is my good work, and I just, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, and if you want me to watch your kids for a while while you, you go and, you know, rest or take a nap or whatever it is that parents do when the kids aren't around, uh, yeah, then, then do that. One of the great mysteries is that we are invited by God the Creator to participate in His mission, and His mission has steps along the way, and those good works have your name on them, that you were created in Christ Jesus, uniquely gifted and talented to do. And so we, uh, as disciples, we give ourselves to God's mission, and we join him with our time, with our energy, with our money, with our resources, the things that we have. We begin to realize, as growing disciples of Jesus, we begin to realize that we get to join him in accomplishing what he's doing. And we get to see him do amazing things. So the two things so far is disciples, they love one another. Two, disciples give themselves away to God's mission. And the third thing, and I'm telling you right now, I am the absolute worst of this, is disciples rest well. Disciples rest well. I've had a, a stack of doctor's appointments over the last two or three weeks that uh, had a problem with my eye, and uh, every doctor has said the same thing. I've talked, I mean, eye doctors, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I've talked to a stack of people. You know what they all said the reason is? Stress. Hey, Jesse, how you doing with stress? I'm like, I'm terrible at it. I don't, I don't think I need to take care of myself at all. I'll, I'll, I just don't. And they're like, yeah, you should probably do something about stress because your eye is really freaking out. Even right now as I'm speaking, like I have little muscle spasms in my eye. I, I don't know why. Uh, stress and, and disciples rest well. And so I'm, I'm telling you right now, as a disciple of Jesus, I'm going I'm to work on resting well. Tur turn with me, if you can, to Matthew 11. I'm turning to, it's to the left in your Bible. You know, uh, in three weeks, we're going to uh, start a new series, and we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, so there's going to be a lot more of this kind of stuff, and this kind of stuff being the red letter parts of the Bible. When, when, I, when I talk to people about what Jesus was, is like, you know, like if I just go interview random people on a college campus or something, and say, hey, what's Jesus like? I get a lot of weird answers about like who he hates and like how mean he is to these people and who he votes for. None of these things I find in scripture. Um, but when I read the red letters of scripture, when you read the red letters of scripture, it is no mystery why the entire world just would hang on every word he said because it was so satisfying and peace-giving and life-giving. Jesus, when we study the Jesus of scripture, we get a really good look of what I think Christianity and disciples uh, should look like. So uh, we're going to start in verse 25. Uh, right before this, Jesus had kind of, he said some hard things. He says things like, hey, listen, you guys, uh, you get all these miracles, but you're not repenting. Woe to you. He was saying this in the verses before. He even said, he brought up Sodom, which is an Old Testament city that, that God judged and burned with fire and brimstone. Maybe you've heard of it. And he said, hey, you city, if Sodom got the signs that you just got, they would still be there. They would have been redeemed. They would have repented in that moment. And yet you get all these signs and you're just dismissing me. He's like, aren't you guys tired? Aren't you guys tired of just 
just like running face first into your sin and your problems. But then he says this in verse 25. At that time, that time being, he just finished saying all that about unrepentant cities. Uh, at that time, Jesus declared, he starts praying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. One of the mysteries of God is that he makes his faith so simple that smart people have a hard time like accepting it. And by smart people, I mean arrogant people, people who think that it should be complicated. It's really, really simple. Here's how simple it is. God was rich in mercy and he loves you like crazy. That's how simple it is. Yeah, but you know, what about this other thing? No, just stop. It's so, like, it's so easy. Children can understand it. That you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding, but you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You chose this, God. He says, and I'm so thankful for this. Verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So here, here's, here's what he's saying. Um, every human being, uh, they want to understand, like, God or meaning of life or something like that. And Jesus just put himself as the gatekeeper of that knowledge. He says, everyone who wants to know what God is really like, come and hang out with me. You hang out with me, you're going to see what God's really like because I'm really like that. That's my job. Uh, my job is to reveal to you God's will. My job is to, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says that. So uh, God, Jesus is the earthly representation of God's kindness towards us, God's uh, thought on sin, God's thought on these unrepentant cities, and God's thought on you and I, disciples. He says, if you, if you want to come to the Father, come to me because no one goes to the Father except through me. So come to me. And so what do we do when we come to him? Verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody's heart heavy this week? Yeah, yeah, mine too. Ashley and I were talking, and uh, I'm probably knowing like 20 or 30 people sick with COVID right now. Uh, Ashley and I were talking, and uh, over the last probably I don't know, two weeks, months, something like that, we know of friends and acquaintances, somewhere in the number of 10 that have died just from COVID. Uh, I'm heartbroken from it. I get texts every now and then, like, hey, hey, we're testing positive. And like the, 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 just the human in me is like, oh man, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I just, I, I don't know how serious it is. And some people are like, oh, I barely have a sniffle. Then other people end up in the hospital and it doesn't discriminate against age. And, and you got, you're the same way. Like, I'm not saying that like I'm unique. Like you all have these friends and you all know these people too. And it's easy for the weight of the world, whether it be COVID or other things, that it just weighs so heavy on our heart. And we're just like, what do we do? Well, disciples, they rest well. He says, come to me, all who labor. You're working tirelessly. You're, you're, you're giving everything you can, and you're just exhausted. You're heavy laden. Your heart is broken, and it's just the burden is too heavy for you to carry. And what, is, what does he say if you come to him? He says, I'll give you rest. You take that broken heart, and you run to, uh, man, where would the world tell you to run? You, 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 run, you run to your friends. They give you more things to worry about or they tell you why you're right. You run, you run to the bar and you take a couple of drinks to try to drown the burden, dry, trying to drown the heavy ladenness, and you don't get any peace because as soon as you sober back up, the problems are there and they're worse because, you know, you haven't dealt with them all that time. You, you, run, you run to your friends who they just tell you like, hey, you know, you're, you're good enough, you're, you're smart enough. Well, that's great. Thank you for saying nice things to me, but I really, I'm brokenhearted right now and I don't feel good enough and I don't feel smart enough. And I don't feel like I can handle it. Where do we go? Well, Jesus says, if you bring that to me, Jesus says, I'll give you rest. 
This is why disciples rest well, because we take all of our problems to the Savior. I will give you rest. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's a disciple, again, a disciple is a student. Learn from me. Uh, a yoke, uh, I don't know, any farmers in here? It's not yolk with an L. Take my scrambled egg upon you. That, that's delicious. <laughs> take my egg McMuffin. Uh, no, it's a yoke, uh, Y-O-K-E. So, uh, you know, before tractors and all of our handy equipment, you had to get an animal to do your work. And you would take the yoke, the thing that would attach you to the animal, and you would lay it on their neck, and now they're stuck. And they got to do what you say, or you, like, crack the whip, or you, you push a little bit harder. Uh, you choose when they stop. You choose when they eat. You choose what they eat, because you have the yoke over them. You're the farmer. If you're a good farmer, you're doing that all kind, kindly, with kindness. Uh, but if you've got a jerk of a farmer, you're just that donkey, and uh, you got that yoke on you, and that, that farmer's just beating you and just like laying heavier and heavier work on you, and you never measure up, uh, you're going to tire out, aren't you, donkey? Yes? Okay. And Jesus says, just imagine your life were like that. And some of you are like, I don't have to imagine. I've got a boss who does that to me all the time, like just lays it on, and lays it on, lays it on, and it gets heavier, and it gets heavier. The work gets slower. You get less and less productive. And he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And Jesus, the yoke in, implies work, by the way. It implies that there's something to do, but, but it's lighter. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? What is it, Jesus? I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, America, uh, I, I'm not going live, but I will. Maybe this will post later. Hey, America. Uh, your soul is hurting. Carpenter's way, your soul is hurting because we work and we work and we work and we find our value in our work and we find our value in our productivity and we think that we don't measure up unless we do one more thing. We could have clocked out at eight hours, we do 10 just because we are Americans and by golly, that's what Americans do. Uh, but I'll tell you the same thing my eye doctor told me, that's gonna kill you. That stress was never meant for you. There are seasons, there are seasons where you've got to work like crazy just to get ahead. If we flood again, you'll, you'll know. Like last time we flooded, you just had to. But we shouldn't work like that every day of our life. And Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You want your soul to take a break? You want your soul to take a nap? Run to Jesus. That's where the rest is. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The things that Jesus will ask of you will be things that maybe challenge you, but they're not going to break you. The thing that the world asks of you will break you. The thing of like your personality, with the, all that energy of us trying to prove that we're good enough and we've got it put together, that will break you. But if we lay that all down at Jesus' feet, we take his yoke upon us, his burden is light, he's not going to break us. He may challenge us. In fact, the, the, these three messages may have been challenging. Uh, you know, disciples love one another. Disciples give themselves to God's mission. Disciples rest well. Maybe one of those is like, like I didn't know. Uh, and it's challenging. That's okay. But we go to Jesus. He says, when he says learn from me, um, one thing about the rhythm of Jesus is the number of times he just stopped what he was doing and he took off. Do you know, I, I want, one day, maybe I'll do it this week, I'll, I'll look at it. Uh, I want to know the number of times Jesus was in the middle of doing like some huge miracle, and he's like, I'm going to go pray. 
And he's like, and he's gone. He's like, where'd he go? Come back. The crowds chase Jesus as he's trying to get away. He's like, hey, uh, y'all go that way. And then he walks on water and gets away from the other way. And like, he, he just tricks them, you know, because Jesus, Jesus rests. If Jesus, the creator of the universe, said, it's a good idea for me to go take a break and talk to God and, and pray, take a nap. Jesus took some naps in Bible. And he says, hey, why don't you come learn from me how to rest? Come to me. I will give you rest. There's a reason our souls are exhausted. Um, but the good news is that if we just take it to Jesus and trust him, start doing things his way and grow in this, we would be better off. So here, here's what I want to do. I want to close with this statement this week and the next two as we, as we work through this series. Um, being a disciple of Jesus is about learning. It's about being a student. So uh, uh, all of you guys in school, you need to point at your parents and be like, ha, 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 you're in school for the next two or three weeks. And, and here's what I want to look at. Uh, I, I want to kind of make this my habit of, of just kind of repeating to myself, but I'm a disciple of Jesus and I'm learning to follow his ways. I'm not perfect at it. I'm just learning. He's the teacher and I'm the student. Every day, I will look for opportunities to live and act more like he did and teach others to do so as well. I, I just, I want to, I want to have a practice as your pastor and I want to encourage you to have the same practice of every day, just choose. I'm going to, I'm going to look to the teacher today and learn from him, because that's what a disciple does. A disciple constantly looks to his teacher. This week, I will focus on, and I want you to fill in the blank, and if it's one of the three things we've covered this, this morning, I want to focus on loving others the same way Jesus did. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get like in a place in my heart, I'm, I'm not there right now, I'm feeling pretty loving to everybody, but I get to a place in my heart, I'm like, come on guys, stop being an idiot, you know? Like, like get your act together, and then I will be kind. And Jesus was never that way with me. Jesus was kind. Jesus sought me while yet I was a sinner, and he saved me. A thousand times I make mistakes, and Jesus still comes to me lovingly. Maybe, maybe uh, I can be challenged to love my children in the same way. I repeated myself a thousand times to go clean your room. Maybe I still respond with kindness. Sure, discipline needs to be there, but I don't need to explode. Loving others the way that Jesus did. B, uh, this week I will focus on giving towards what I see God doing. Do you see God moving at all in your life anywhere? Maybe next to you, maybe at work, maybe, maybe here at Carpenter's Way. There, there, are, there are ways that you can give yourself towards the mission of God. This is, not a, uh, like, this is not a recruitment for you to volunteer, but there are ways for you to volunteer at Carpenter's Way. This is not a recruitment for your, for your tithes. Um, we're going to be okay, but, but, but you can give your resources towards what you see God doing at Carpenter's Way. You can give your time to, to people just on, on the street. You can, you can just sit that extra 30 minutes with someone who's just brokenhearted because you, you, that's, that's the thing. I'm going to give my time and my energy to what I see God doing. And I feel like God has called me to just sit with and mourn with this person. The best times, the funnest times, are when you see someone celebrating over here and be like, I feel like God's calling me to celebrate with you guys. And so you go like, crash the birthday party or something. Like, I have this slice of cake because God called me to. But you join, we're invited to join in doing what we see God doing and participating in his mission. Not because he needs us to. He's going to accomplish everything he wants to do with or without us, but because it becomes our great joy and our great opportunity to see redemption at work, even by God's grace at the work of our own hands. And C, this week I'll focus on resting well. That's, that's kind of where I'm at this week. Um, we, we've got to be, 
we've got to be a group of people that when life hits us hard, and it always does, we know where to go. We go to the teacher. He teaches us how to rest well. When we're brokenhearted and, and our friends and our loved ones are super sick and there's really nothing we can do about it other than pray for them, we pray for them, but then we also bring our own heart to the teacher and we say, God, I, I can't, I think my heart might explode. If I have one more phone call like that, can you help me? And Jesus says, I will lay my yoke on you. My burden is easy. It's light. I'm not going to overwhelm you. I will give you rest. There's a thousand and one other things in this world that promise you rest, and they all lie. There's only one truth. Jesus will give you rest. I want to pray for you, uh, and then we will watch the, the cue, and uh, you'll be dismissed. Father, this morning we thank you that you call uh, us uh, your children. You call us your disciples. Lord, we're, we're wanting to learn to live this life the way that you've taught us. We want to learn to live this life the way that Jesus did. Um, Father, remove from us uh, inaccuracies or misconceptions of who Jesus was. And Lord, add on to us uh, the, the elements that are necessary for us to look more like your son. I think, Lord, that we would be better just humans, better uh, dads and moms, better, better children, uh, better uh, co-workers, if we just look more like Jesus. So Father, help us, help us follow your way. Help us to see your truth. Uh, help us grow. Lord, please challenge us. Uh, where, where we're not growing, where we become stagnant. Lord, Lord, drive us to the next step. Show us what we can do next to look more like Jesus. Um, Lord, we, we want to we bring hope, and we want to be rested, and we want to be a part of your mission. Uh, Lord, we want to love one another. Uh, we ask that you would equip us for that. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.